Thank you, Bridget, for the reading. And so uh, here we are with another in our series that we've called Wilderness Wandering, as we explore what it was like for the Israelites as they wandered the desert from leaving Egypt to over 40 years later entering into the Promised Land. Uh, and today we, we have uh, the kind of the crux of, of a story that many of us know quite well. It's a story that's often taught in Sunday schools. And it's a story of how they, the Israelites, uh, just a few weeks after leaving Egypt, they get to the edge of the Promised Land. And so they send 12 men in to spy out the land, to see what it's like. And uh, in our story, we heard what they come back with. And they come back with this incredible uh, description of a land that is uh, fruitful and flourishing and thriving. They describe it as a land flowing with milk and honey, which is a kind of strange um, way of describing things, isn't it? But it's often used in the Bible and always used favorably to describe something that is abundant. And it's a, a place where people can, to, can grow and develop and multiply. It's a place where people can call home. And so here they are, they're on the, the edge of this incredible land. And even the fruit that uh, the, the 12 spies bring back is huge. They, it takes a few of them to carry just one bunch of grapes. That's how big the fruit was there. And so they describe a land that is beautiful. And of course, it's the land that God had described to them when he took them out of Egypt. He said he would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's the land that they're at the edge of. There's only one problem. The 12 spies, they all went in, they saw exactly the same thing, but 10 of them come back and also say, it's great, it's fantastic, but... But there are fortified cities there. There are strong people. And they all, to be honest, they all are bigger than us. They all look like giants. We look like grasshoppers to them. And of course, that naturally freaks the whole of the tribe of Israel out. They're terrified at the thought of entering into the Promised Land to have to do battle with these people. In fact, they say, as God brought us this place simply to die by the sword, is that what God intended for us? That we simply die here rather than in Egypt? And they choose not to enter the land. Of course, there's two others, Caleb and Joshua. They have a different story. They see exactly the same thing as the other ten. But they say, but if God has brought us this far, surely he can do it. He can take this land for us. They have a different perception. They have a perception that has been formed by faith. All the experiences of living in Egypt, of the freedom out of Egypt and all the miracles that God did, in the three weeks of them walking with God through the wilderness and him providing for them at every turn, they see this through eyes of faith and say, look, if God can do that, he can do this. But all the people, says, and here's that word yet again, grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and they grumbled against God. And they grumbled against Caleb and Joshua for, for seeing something that frightened them. 
And it must have been scary, mustn't it? To have gone through all that they've gone through. To get to the edge of something that sounds so wonderful and yet, and yet there are obstacles in the way. There's hardship ahead of them. There's struggles and there's battles ahead. And so they step back from it. When we started this series, I said that that image of the promised land is, is for us a little bit like all that God has promised us. It's not just simply about heaven. It's about life now, life, abundant life now, and about our journey into entering that abundant life. See, when Jesus promised us life and life in all its fullness, that included heaven and more. It included life now and how we can live life now in a way that we can, we can flourish and thrive in no matter what the situation that we're in. And it starts to acquire all that God has in store for us. Things like joy and peace that passes all understanding, healing for our hearts and for our bodies and for our souls. To live a life of purpose, to live a life of fruitfulness, all of these things are, are within our grasp. All of these things are ours, but we have to enter into them. They're not simply laid out on a plate for us. We have to enter into them. And some of that involves a certain amount of struggle and battle and hardship and difficulty. It involves us having to overcome things in our life to be able to acquire all that God has in store for us. And at that point, so many people decide to turn away because what they simply want is an easy life. I thought God promised me joy. Where is it? Well, you have to work at that to some extent. You have to overcome all the hurts in your own life in order to acquire the joy that God has for us. It's the same with things like peace and love and grace, faith and hope. All of these things that we, we talk about so freely, they are all given, but they also have to be acquired and received. And that involves for all of us a certain amount of struggle. And yet so many people get to the edge of the promised land and either stay at the edge or walk away. And maybe that's you at the moment as you kind of just struggle with life at the moment and try to work out where is God at all of this? Where is God as I'm trying to work out how to live life now in the midst of this current pandemic where I can't connect with the people who give me life. How can, I, how can I survive this? How can I live a life, the kind of life that Jesus promised now? Well, all of that involves entering into a bit of a struggle to be able to fight for those things that God has promised us. And also to fight against some of the other things that life throws at us in order to hold on to all that God has given us. Life as a Christian was never ever going to be a bed of roses. Jesus never promised it. It's never promised in the Old Testament. It's not promised by anyone in scripture. In fact, just the opposite. It was always gonna be a life of struggle and hardship and difficulty. And that's been portrayed all the way through Christian history in different ways by 
through teaching and, and through works of fiction like Pilgrim's Progress, where people have had to go on a journey and struggle through certain things in order to receive all that God has in store for us. I don't know about you, I want to live a life in which I am living the best possible life that God wants to give me. And by that, I don't mean an abundance of possessions or wealth. I mean living in total joy and peace, having a faith that knows no bounds, having a sense of purpose that allows me to work through life knowing that I can do something that impacts others. These are the things that God values in our lives and are the things that we should value. And as the, 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 the tribe of Israel stood at the edge of the promised land, they had a choice to make. Would they be courageous enough to step in by faith and believe that God would act with them in conquering all these incredible people that the spies had seen? Or would they simply walk away? And despite the fact that Joshua and Caleb both shouted out with, with loud voices, look, we can do this because God is on our side, they still stepped away. And for those of you right now who are thinking about, can I really step into all that God has for me? Or am I just going to stay exactly where I am and just be content with what I've got? a kind of mediocre spiritual life, or am I going to walk away? For all of us in those kind of places, I want to give you something to work through. I want to encourage you to be courageous. I want to encourage you to step into all that God has for you. And that involves courage. It involves courage because you have to overcome fear. You have to overcome the fear of what others might say. You see, it's actually, when you think about it, it's perfectly reasonable what the Israelites said, isn't it? They looked at their resources, they looked at the resources of the people in the land, and they said, their resources are better than ours, we can't win the fight. That is perfectly reasonable. But I'm not sure God is always reasonable. And he encourages us to step in by faith. And sometimes when we are facing that, we get afraid. We're afraid of what others might think of us if we start doing things like that are unreasonable. For instance, you know, giving away 10% of your income, tithing, which is commanded in Scripture, seems totally unreasonable. And yet those of us who do that, we know the benefits of it. It might be that yours, you're simply afraid of failure. What happens if I step in and it all goes wrong? See, in the end, those Israelites thought that they knew better than God. And when God calls us into something, it is because he knows that we can do it. It's not that it's some kind of thing out of our grasp, out of our reach. It's because we can do it that he calls us into life in all its fullness. So we have to overcome fear. That's one reason why we need courage. But the other reason why we need courage is because we have to face the struggle that is ahead of us. Each and every one of us. 
the moment we become a Christian, we are laying ourselves open to a struggle through faith. I love the fact that Israel means they wrestled with God. And there's something about that in all of our lives, that we are trying to work out how to live life and how to face life and how to do the things that God calls us to do. Ancient Christians used to talk about the battle that we face as Christians against the world, the flesh and the devil. The world, because the world is always trying to, to force us into some kind of compromise. It pressurizes into following the ways that everyone else follows. And we have to fight against that in order to live life that God intends. We have to battle against the flesh, that desire within us to, to enter into sin. Even St. Paul faced that. He said, you know, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. He knew the battle against temptation. And we have to battle against that each and every day. And of course, we also know that our battle isn't simply against the forces of this world, but also against the devil. Who is seeking to, to stop us living the life of fullness that God intends for us. We face those battles and we have to face those battles knowing that we can win them because God is on our side. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, said Jesus. So that means we can overcome all of those struggles, all of those battles that we all face. Jesus once talked about uh, the narrow path. Let me just read what he says. He says this, he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And often when we read that, we're thinking about eternal life. But he doesn't say that, he simply, he simply says life. The road to life, the life that God intends us to live is a narrow path, a difficult path. And maybe only a few of us will ever find that. But I want to encourage you to enter into the struggle to find the fullness of life that God intends for us. Otherwise, what is your alternative? To simply stand at the side, living a life of mediocrity. Or to walk away from God and all that he has promised. Wouldn't it be better to enter into the struggle, to enter into the battle, to receive and acquire all that God has intended for us. We're going to just have a time where we can kind of enter into God's presence now. And uh, we did this last week, and we really want to encourage you to, to just stay where you are and to focus on Jesus. Allow his Holy Spirit into that space where you are right now. So let me encourage you to close your eyes. Just ignore anyone else who's with you. Just close your eyes. And listen to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you. I've just got a sense of, of people who are watching this. For some of you, 
you've always had someone say to you, you can't do it. Whether it is going to university or education or work or family or there's people who've just said to you, you can't. And that's affected how you live your spiritual life. You just think automatically you can't. But God wants to say to you, you can. He has not given you something that is impossible for you. You can have all the life that God intends for you because he's with you. And it is his strength that will be made perfect in your weakness.